Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. I'd like to welcome everybody to the uh, Mindvine podcast, and usually my co-host is Daryl Mathers, who's not here today, he's unwell, and filling in, it's a dream, right, dream. for, for dream come true. Amber to Smith be here. to yes. be on the podcast, this is her chance, and I, I, it's funny, because Daryl's going to watch this, and he's going to be throwing his laptop, probably, Definitely. when he sees that you're on here, it's, because... When I heard this morning that he couldn't be on the podcast, my first question was, uh, what about co-hosting the podcast? And right. he was like, Chris can handle it. Yeah, so he didn't then, want you anywhere near this. No. And because it's, he doesn't want to be Wally Pip. Does anybody know the Wally Pip story? No. Nobody? Too young for that. I know, I'm, I'm yeah, showing my age. Really Wally are. Pip was a baseball player who decided he, he couldn't play one day. He had a headache. He didn't play. And a young player named Lou Gehrig took his spot. Oh, boy. And nobody ever heard of Wally Pip after that. For That's sure. why you never sure. call in sick. No matter what <laughs> flu symptoms you have, you show up, you yes. rub them around. Exactly. Yeah, our infection control yeah. unit isn't watching right now, right? <laughs> no. No. Okay. So I want to, I think this is amazing that we have this special guest. Jessica Holmes is joining us oh, today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Bell Let's Talk ambassador. And, and thank you for, I know this is a busy time for you with Bell Let's Talk <laughs> to be with us today. But anybody that knows Jessica, uh, star of the Royal Canadian Air Force, uh, comedian, actress, author, uh, just a multi-talented person and probably the funniest person we've had on the show certainly certainly uh, aside today. from amber thank you yeah well it's, nice it's a different kind of funny with amber <laughs> it's just nice that my talents recognize is it an unintentional funny with you probably is that, oh okay yeah. probably. gotcha it's, yeah. it's, it's it's awkward but it wears on you talked about i think and i saw our uh, interview you did we're talking about and i'll talk about later about being a bit of an introvert and sort of losing you can't lose that with Amber. She'll, you know, you can't, she's in your face constantly, so you can't have those moments where you drift off around Oh, Amber. you know what you do for that? You do the old Gene Hackman, where you wear uh, earbuds and uh, hold your uh, phone as though you're in the middle of a call, and then you look down and notice there's no call going on. <laughs> but that's Brilliant. a great, it's a good introvert that is, trick. That is Brilliant. Nice. That's good. I'm on nothing, <laughs> but I'm busy. So I um, want to talk about a lot of things, but first of all, obviously with Bell Let's Talk that you're an ambassador now, and, and I want, maybe if you could share a little bit of, of your background with the postpartum depression and how mm-hmm. you know, uh, that came to, f- the, to, to be and, and how you dealt with it and how it led you to become an ambassador and a spokesperson sure. as well. Uh, so when my kids were... Um, my kids were 18 months apart, which uh, that alone, sure. uh, basically, I can say, helped partly trigger the postpartum depression. Um, and that was sort of short-lived. It was very acute. Like, it came on strong. We dealt with it. And then I moved on with life thinking, never again. I'm all better. Never again. And then uh, um, about five years ago, I went into a run-of-the-mill garden variety depression, if you will. And that lasted about uh, two years. Well, it took about two years to get diagnosed. And because you make excuses for... I kept saying, this is how artists live. They just are angrily crying on the sofa all day for two years. That's what it means to be a comedian, I guess. Uh, And then when I recovered from that, I uh, 
became very committed to mental health just because I, I knew I had, I had everything. I had support and family and money and a job and uh, fulfillment. And, and so if I could be depressed, then couldn't this happen to anyone? And, and I, I understood that it's not somebody's fault that this would happen any more than any other illness would be someone's fault. Um, so I approached Bell Let's Talk, uh, I think a year ago, sort of saying, how can I get involved? And then they got back to me uh, this time of year. So I was, I'm so proud to be here. Great. Yeah. Um, so when you were going through that, when did you sort of realize, you know, you were busy with career and everything and the children and that. When did it sort of hit you that you needed to reach out for help? What was that sort of defining moment for you? Well, I, as a lot of people who might be in depression and not really realize it would, would say, I, I was pointing fingers at everything I thought was wrong with everybody else or with my job or with, with something. And I wasn't uh, looking internally. I just kept saying, everything is your fault, your fault, your fault. And my husband, after, <laughs> after a few times when I thought it might somehow be his fault that I was uh, so unhappy, he said, I think we need marriage counseling. And we, we went to, he, my husband, by the way, is totally okay with me talking about this, um, for the greater good. Uh, uh, he said, we need marriage counseling. And in, in our second trip to see the um, therapist she diagnosed me with depression because <laughs> she basically said yeah so your husband yeah he makes you upset does anyone else make you upset and I was like well yeah like and I gave her a long list of everyone I've ever met um, who was upsetting me and and I said isn't that normal and she said it's normal in depression so I was like oh not again I thought I dodged that but um I, I was relieved to get the um, diagnosis, first of all, because it means, okay, there might be a light at the end of this tunnel. Okay, the, my behavior makes more sense to me. I can understand it now. The negative of it is the um, weird <laughs> reactions and advice that you get. Uh, I've been told so many times that I probably just need fresh air, uh, which is, I, I could move to the Arctic and you probably still find uh, depression there. <laughs> There is depression indoors and outdoors. Um, and uh, a, a lot of people, and even to this day, even when I, when I post something on social media talking about mental health, sometimes you'll still get a reply of, of like, you know what, I've just always had an attitude of gratitude and therefore I could never be depressed. And, um, and I know people mean well. It's beautiful how well-meaning people are. But um, the way I try and describe it is, I, I wouldn't go up to someone with type 2 diabetes and say, listen, I always eat sugar, and it's just not a problem, so I don't know why you can't handle right. your sugar. Just handle it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm a smart enough person that I could figure out what to do and what not to do, but this, it was like this invisible monster took over. And, uh, and, and that's why I'm happy to, and it's important to me to talk about it, to, to get rid of the stigma um, of... That, that people have around depression, but also to help someone who might be in depression realize what, what that is and to validate them a bit of, you know, I know how hard that is and, and it can be pretty difficult getting out of it and, and I'm sorry you're there. I had the opportunity to see you emcee the uh, Great West Life Gala for their Center for Mental oh, Health. Oh, cool, yes. In November, and yeah. so uh, a lot of your lived experience comes through, too, in your comedy and how you choose to entertain. Have you mm -hmm. been using that more as a tool for advocacy and speaking out about it? Yes, so we, in comedy, we say tragedy plus time equals comedy or stress plus time equals comedy. 
embarrassment plus time equals comedy. So when my daughter rubs my face at night and says, mm, your beard is so soft, um, <laughs> then I, I understand that that hurts my feelings for two minutes. Right, and then right. I, I feel better knowing that when you're 44, you do become a chia pet. And um, <laughs> that's part of the circle of life. There. I think your co-host Daryl has the same problem. A little bit of he's a, got, a little bit, little bit yeah. but he's lost it up here. Right. right. <laughs> so I just I have always felt like the only thing to do with a negative experience is to um, make light of it and then give it away and share what you've learned with it. So um, I wrote a book last year called Depression the Comedy, and it comes out in April, and it's all the different areas of my life that were impacted by depression, but then sort of the comedic retelling of that. Um, and my, my mindset with, with that was um, I've read many uh, sad books about depression that I couldn't read when I was dep- I kept putting them down because I was like, oh, I'm sad enough already. Uh, so I just wanted something lighthearted and irreverent um, with a bit of toilet humor in it because that's what you need sometimes if you're feeling a little low. Sure. I was wanting to talk about comedians a little bit because something mm-hmm. you said before resonated with me because... Everybody knows I talk too much, and I'm kind of external, <laughs> but, but I'm an introvert. So I saw you talk a little bit about you're on all the time and how emotional, like exhausting that can be. And you see that a lot with comedians. You see people that are so out there and extroverted and mm-hmm. think that's their life, life of the party and that, but it can be exhausting. And did you find that a struggle, um, always being out there and dealing with this when really you needed time internally to recoup sort of your... Yeah, I've I've definitely um, lost out on opportunities or walked away from opportunities where it was a group setting all of the time and everyone always fighting to be the most on and the funniest. And um, I just feel like I don't want to be a part of any race. I just want to sort of do my own thing and have my own thing to offer. And uh, unfortunately, part of that is I work by myself a lot. And so um, there's not necessarily like... Uh, it's me and it's the audience and I love the autonomy of that but it also means there's not structure there's not regular office hours when I check in with other people there's not necessarily peer support and so I when I came out of this last depression part of what the therapist helped work on me I guess you'd call it occupational therapy but for a comedian (laughs) which is sort of like okay so you don't have the structure or the peer support or the this or the this what are ways we can get that while you still have your own solo career? And, and so we did find ways of getting that. And um, f- what I will say about mental health is for, for me every day, it's because what I've been told is that if you've been depressed more than once, you're considered in remission. Mm-hmm. You are not considered, woohoo, right. you, you got the vaccination, you're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I try and live every day in a way that, that gives me, again, some goals, some structure and... Uh, Part of, I mean, there's a lot of different elements to it, but part of it was I didn't want to travel as much because it sort of, uh, that just made me feel like, okay, now not only do I not have coworkers, I don't have my family with me. I have kids at home and uh, doing that. But also the best advice I got was to get a dog because someone said if you don't have structure, but you have a dog staring at you sadly, <laughs> you're, you're going to start walking that dog every single day. And um, so that's what I've been doing for the last um three years is every day I get up, we do breakfast, the dog gets a nice long jog, I'm in nature for an hour, and then I come home and I write for two hours every day. And I have to, because if I don't, I 
I don't have that sense of purpose and having reached a goal. And um, but I was really happy to see that a a solution, a way of living that was healthy for me, materialized just from um, conversations I had with my therapist. I would never in a million years would have guessed that this career that I found so challenging and difficult because I was alone. Um, I never would have guessed I could still have that dream career, but have it work in a way that was mentally very healthy for me. Um, You just ruined my life, by the way, because if my daughter watches this, who's been pining for a dog for (laughs) our own mental health, that's, life is does your daughter You've honestly say to you, Daddy, for our mental health? Can she we does. Get, she oh, actually, my gosh. Good for you, her. Right? I'm done now. You've ruined it. So. <laughs> this podcast can never air, so enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> it'll be over. What, I wanted you, if you could share, what, I remember you telling a story, and I thought it was the most amazing story. And what a great message about the time your mom came in when you had your child with you. Oh, yeah. That sto- oh, that is sure, amazing. yes. Yeah. Uh, so this story only became relevant to me uh, many years later, but um, when my f- first child was born, it was a little girl, and I was sitting at home and in a rocking chair with her, and I was looking at her, and the sun was coming in, and my heart just felt bigger than it had ever felt. And I was looking at my daughter thinking, I would forgive you anything. I would... R- run over mountains for you. There's nothing you could do that would make me stop loving you. And then my mom came in the room and looked over my shoulder and she said, Jess, can you imagine that I love you as much as you love her? Mm. And in the time, I was like, oh, mom, give me space. You're so clingy. (laughs) But then um, many years later, when I went through depression and then recovered from depression, it just occurred to me that we're all somebody's child. Whether your parents are... Uh, alive or if they've passed, whether your parents did a great job or really dropped the ball, we were all born with that potential to be just amazing, to be forgiven for anything. And so uh, it was a good lesson to not be so hard on myself, to remember I'm someone's kid too. Like I'm trying to give all these things, be all these things to all these people, but to remember that somewhere along the line, I'm somebody's most important thing and, and that I should put myself first and forgive myself anything and and as a parent now have gone through that do you Mm -hmm. do you find your your radar as a parent is on more because you know some of the things that you struggled with that you're watching your kids for any yeah and I actually (laughs) so I was at this um parenting retreat last weekend and Allison Schaefer who's a parenting expert was was there and I said to her, you know, my daughter was quiet for 10 minutes today. Like, what does that mean? Do, do you think she has problems? Do you think? And, and Allison was like, no, I think she's just fine. I think <laughs> there may be a little projection going on for yeah. you. But um, what I've, all I know is that what, what worked for me, is, it's different what's going to work for everyone. So I just try and do my best. I'm, I'm honest with my kids that I was in a depression. Um, and I just said, I, I have to take really good care of myself. And so I go to bed when they go to bed at night. And um, I try and eat healthy. And I'm really into exercise now. And um, they've been so super patient. But then I'm also trying to give them the tools of self-esteem. So like chores, whether you like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Sports, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, but like yeah. whatever. Sorry, I don't force my kids to play hockey. <laughs> Even though all Canadian parents should. Uh, no, it's, it's more sort of like saying, what do you really love? What's something that you're passionate about? And then making sure that they get enrolled in that. Yeah. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I did play hockey when I was young for two years, and after a while, the booze in the stands, and you look up at your own parents booing you. Like, oh, it was no. time to end. It was oh, time no. To end your own parents booed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so it's time to give up the career. Yeah, yeah. your skill really is talking. It was it bad. Really is. Yeah. It really is. So, I mean, now that you've sort of come out, well, you've talked about this, and, and you're, you, you know, the ambassador, and, and you're all the work that you're doing. Have you had a lot of other entertainers come up to you feeling like they, you know, that you've been a voice for them, that maybe the industry isn't always so supportive of, of a lifestyle of mental wellness? Um, so when part of figuring out a way to make comedy as a career work for me was reaching out more to my peers and I'm terrified of my peers because some comedians, they're hilarious on stage. And uh, I just, I found them intimidating one-on-one. But uh, I, I knew that in order for me to continue down this path, I, I had to reach out. And so I was at a show in Ottawa and we were in the green room with the comedians and they were all being super funny. And I just said, so guys, sometimes I feel like really down on myself if a show doesn't go well does anyone else feel that way and it was so amazing because all the whole room full of comedians was like all the time why didn't you tell me and so all of this support and validation opened up uh in a place i never would have expected it and it's really sweet there's comedians like taz norris like sometimes i will just um He's so honest. His Facebook posts, it's beautiful. Like, if he's having a down day, he just says, I'm having a really down day today. I know it's going to turn around, but it's a tough day. Uh, and he's almost sort of made himself um, this this guy who validates other people. Like, you, you feel like you can turn to him. And sometimes yeah. I will message him if I say, like, oh, I had a really awful show. Make me feel better. <laughs> so it's, um, I had to I had to do the reaching out. And I was terrified of it, but it, it paid off. And, and I did get to know that other, other people have these fears. But also, I hear a lot just on social media, someone will reach out and say, um, thanks a lot for, for just even using the hashtag mental health. Right. Because that, yeah. for them, I think it's important to, to see that there are people who have been through it and recovered from it and who are doing okay today right. um, in order to, to feel like it's possible. So, you're here because of Bellet's talk. Yes. And what do you hope that people will talk about the most during Bellet's talk day, and even the day after and the month after that? Like, what do you think needs to be talked about the most? I think the the fact that people feel like the world is now a safe place to say, I struggle with mental health. And they've actually shown that since Bellet's talk started, um, by percentage, they can actually show an increase in the amount of comfort people feel mm-hmm. in speaking out with their problems and that people feel like it's not such a strange thing for someone to take a stress leave from work or to take a mental health break. Um, and, and a lot of companies are even set up now where they have mental health checkups for people and um, a, a place to go uh, or someone to talk to if you're struggling. Uh, so so the, the big thing is, I mean... Tomorrow's the day when everyone can, you know, hashtag Bell Let's Talk. But their bigger overall goal is to, to have a country where people feel safe yeah. and accepted. And it's even to the point where when I come out and, and speak like this, sometimes people say, oh, it's really brave for you to share your story. But I said, the world has changed. And mm. peop- nobody, you know, people aren't getting uh, fired necessarily. Right. I haven't, I don't think that I've lost work because I've been honest about it. Right. Um and so I'm really, I'm glad that, that 
we have this safe space to to talk about things. Great. Yeah, and a lot of money has also been raised. I think to date, I believe it's eighty-five million dollars has Incredible. been raised to donate to different mental health facilities. Yeah, it's been amazing. And initiatives. Yeah. So when does the book come out? The book comes out uh, in April. It can be pre-ordered now, but um, we're still choosing the cover and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's why it's not literally at you know Indigo today, but um, it'll it'll be in April. And it was it was a, a labor of love. And for me, one of the nicest things about it is I said to my kids at first, would you be embarrassed if I, if I wrote this book? And they said, we wouldn't be embarrassed, but we think people will have questions. Mm. And it just meant a lot to me that they said, go ahead and write it and we'll deal with the questions. So they have very big hearts because I think, I think it's a scary concept for them. Like they're like, you're not going to do it again, right? (laughs) (laughs) It was okay that one time when the TV raised us for two years, but, um, (laughs) can you maybe we're, we're cool now. Right. So, um, and, and it also just feels good to feel that I've had three great years where I can say my mental health has been good and uh, to be in a place where I can sort of look back with laughter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I just want to close, uh, at the risk of sounding like inside the actor's studio, I don't Uh-oh. want to, but you've worked with some, um, some amazing comedians and that and open for them. Who's the nicest of the, of the, the yeah, I mean, you've worked with uh, Russell Peters and Seinfeld and and mm-hmm. Alan DeGeneres, like, do you have any, I, this is dangerous, I don't want to. No, do you know what, I will, <laughs> say, I will say they're all incredibly nice. Ellen DeGeneres has a team of like 20 security guards circling her wow. the entire so time. It's true. Uh, so do you? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, yeah. so when I, when I was emceeing for her, I, I was waiting in the wings and security came and shooed me away from the wings and I was like, <laughs> but I'm supposed to go introduce the next speaker. And they were like, you can't be here. But when she was on stage, um, she is taking care of her own mental health and she actually mm-hmm. told the audience every day 2000 people come and tell me i just need 2 minutes of your time mm-hmm. and she said i don't i need to be filled up for me mm-hmm. so that i can give yeah. you the hour a day that i give you and she just said i don't have it in me to give 2000 people 2 minutes but she said i really want to and i really do love you mm-hmm. And so that's actually the first time that I've even thought about that in terms of mental health. But she probably took a long time to come to that conclusion mm-hmm. that for her to, to give away, she had to be filled up. And so I love the Ian Lavanzant, another Oprah gal. Um, her saying is, my cup runneth over. What's in it belongs to me and what runneth over belongs to y'all. Yeah. And I guess I had to learn that message as a, as a comedian as well, mm-hmm. that I have to take care of me first and foremost and once I'm good, then I can start figuring out, okay, what am I going to do for my job? <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Jessica, for coming out yes. all the way out east from Toronto. Oh, gosh. Uh, being part of this. <laughs> You're welcome here anytime. We can't Absolutely. wait for the book. Maybe a thank book you signing. So Who much. knows? But, but thank you for sharing your story. I think it's, you know, we, we, a lot of the people that we support have shared their story and the impact that it's had on others to come forward. It's so powerful. And the more that we talk about these things and, and normalize mental illness, mm-hmm. the further we are as a society. So thank you again for all your work. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Yeah.